0: Welcome to the Management Insights Podcast Series hosted by McGraw-Hill. My name is Debbie Clare, Executive Marketing Manager for our Management Portfolio. Today's topic, is trust undervalued? Why trust is an economic driver? Our guest, Ryan Gottfriedsen. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm a leadership professor at Cal State Fullerton, uh, where I teach and do research on leadership. Uh, so a couple of classes that I teach is organizational behavior, which, uh, where we cover a lot on trust, and then also in team leadership skills, which requires a lot of trust to be effective within teams. So I'm excited to talk about trust. Excellent. So
0: let's dig in. What value do leaders and employees place in trust?
1: This is interesting because when I uh, work with organizations and also with my students, I will generally ask them, how important is trust? And everybody says a nine or a 10, right? And then I ask them, what value on a scale of one to 10 does your manager place on trust? And it's rare to have people say a number that is above a seven, So it's usually a six or below. So here we've got this disconnect. Everybody thinks that trust is important, but yet people are saying that my manager doesn't seem to value trust. And I think that that, that's really problematic. So
0: what are some common trust-related statistics in addition to what you just mentioned?
1: Yeah, so let me me break you down what what we're finding in organizations. So 49% of employees trust their leaders. Only 49% could say they trust their leaders. Only 30% of employees believe their top managers act with honesty and integrity. 76% of employees observe a high level of illegal or unethical conduct in work in the past 12 months. And 53% of job seekers were on the job because they didn't trust their boss.
0: Wow, that's really low.
1: Yeah. So trust is an issue.
0: So let's start with what is trust?
1: So I think at a basic level, and we could define it in a wide variety of ways, but, but trust is a willingness to be vulnerable to somebody else. It's having confidence instead of suspicion.
0: And why is that so important?
1: So here's the thing. I don't know, De- Debbie, if you remember traveling before 9-11, mm-hmm. right? My guess is you would say your airport experience is very different now compared to then,
0: Yes, much less stress going through the airport. Right,
1: for sure. You see, what has gone on is we no longer trust the people that we fly with, or at least less so than what we used to. And what effect has this had on us? Well, now there's a few things that have happened. One, we've got a whole lot more security, right? We've got TSA. In fact, we could go probably go back, and I challenge a listener to do this. I would love to know the number. Uh if we could go back and look at what has been the cost of the added security since 2001 until now. And my guess is we put it in the trillions of dollars between the equipment and manpower of security. Now, so one, we don't trust others. So that causes costs to go up. Now, we also need to get to the airport much earlier than we used to, right? So our time The time component goes down and our speed component goes down. So as trust goes down, costs go up and speed goes down. As trust goes up, speed goes up and cost goes down. So in other words – Trust is an important economic driver. We, we could see how trust has a bottom line effect on organizations. And, and so this goes back to the original question is, I think we all intuitively understand that. But in, in, in many instances, managers seem to throw trust under the bus uh, in order to get to some sort of desired outcomes. And, and that's unfortunate because really, trust is critical to our success.
0: What do people need to learn about Trust.
1: Yeah. So trust, I think most people are like, yeah, I I understand trust. But there's multiple levels to trust. And let me get into some of these. So first, I think that we need to view trust like a bank account. But there's some elements about this bank account that I think are unique. One is our deposits are usually much smaller than withdrawals. When we have a breach of trust. That usually means a big withdrawal is coming out. When we do something nice to build trust, it's just like, oh, that was nice. There's a little increase in trust. And so we need to be sensitive to the withdrawals that we make. So, for example, if you're a manager and say, hey, Debbie, you need to come in on Saturday and work this weekend. Well, that's going to be a breach of trust. That means in order for you to make up that trust breach, You're going to have to invest in multiple deposits to earn back that trust. Additionally, once the trust account is overdrawn, it's nearly impossible to reestablish. And so, again, we need to be sensitive to our levels of bank account. If we're kind of down around zero, then we may not have any coming back from that, particularly if we have another trust breach. But if we've invested a lot in trust, and built up that bank account. Well, we can have a breach every once in a while that doesn't have a huge effect. So I think it's important for us to think about trust like a bank account. So that's the first element. The next element that we need to think about is okay, how does actually trust increase or decrease? Well, trust increases when our behaviors exceed others' expectations, and trust decreases when our behaviors fall below others' expectations. So this means that part of managing the trust that that is going on in our relationships and within our organization is we need to have clarity around expectations so that we can proactively choose to exceed those. Uh, And then that's how we build trust. A third element that we need to consider is how we evaluate the trust in each other. So we actually evaluate three different things when it comes to trusting other people. And uh, they are their ability, their benevolence, and their integrity. And the thing that's interesting about these is we evaluate them differently. So uh, as we're recording this, I'm going to a Red Sox baseball game tonight. Um, But I'm going to give you an example that comes from the Boston Red Sox rival, uh, the New York Yankees. So the New York Yankees have a player, his name is Aaron Judge. And he is tall in stature, so he's maybe the tallest uh, major league baseball player. Uh, he's also known for hitting a lot of home runs. He's seen as their big home run hitter, or at least one of them. they got multiple. Mm-hmm. And, and so he hits home runs a lot. So he, everybody considers him as this home run hitter. But what most people don't think of him as is something else, is he's also one of the most notorious baseball players that strike out all the time. So he almost leads the league in strikeouts. So he's either hitting a home run or striking out, but nobody says, oh, he's, he just strikes out all the time. They call him a home run hitter, right? So when we could do something great once that gives us that label. So when it comes to ability, we could demonstrate and build ability really quickly. We've just got to demonstrate that to a high level. Benevolence, on the other hand, is a little bit different to develop. It isn't established quickly; it's established over multiple interactions. So, almost subconsciously, every interaction where you have with somebody, we're asking ourselves, "To what degree do they have my best interests in mind?" And then we, after a course of several interactions, we take the average of that level of benevolence, and that's how we sense uh, the benevolence in others. And then the last one is integrity. And with integrity, we assume everybody has integrity until they prove us otherwise. And then we give them a label. So for example, once a cheater, always a cheater, right? And that could think, you know, academic cheating, that could also be, you know, maybe in a marital or a dating relationship, right? So once somebody cheats and we give them this label as a cheater, because only somebody would stoop that low is what we have a tendency to think. Or once a liar, always a liar, right? So, so I think it's important for us to, uh, to kind of summarize this point: is we evaluate three different things when we trust somebody—ability, benevolence, and integrity—and we evaluate those differently. By knowing that, that allows us to better exceed others' expectations in each of those three areas, allowing us to enhance our trust.
0: Ryan. How can we improve the trust others have in us?
1: Yeah, so we've got to demonstrate. That means for us, we need to be seen as somebody who's capable. We have that ability. We need to be somebody that has others' best interests in mind. Um, so, of course, uh, this is pretty obvious. If we're self-focused, then people aren't going to trust us as, as much as we're other-focused. And then we also need to have high levels of integrity. We need to have certain morals and standards that we live up to that other people can resonate with. You now, one of the things that I, um, I find that's interesting that for some people, it, well, the thing that I find it interesting is the context of swearing or using cuss words. So, some people don't have any problem with that. Other people do have a problem with that. And so when we get into a social situation and somebody who maybe doesn't have a problem with using swear words, they may use that quite readily. But if they're talking to somebody who thinks that that's a bad thing, immediately that's an integrity breach for them. And, and I, I think that swearing isn't a big deal, and that's why I feel comfortable using this as an example, because what it suggests to us is really what we need to understand is what are the expectations of, the, of others that we're going to be interacting with? Now, if they don't care about swearing, go ahead and swear. But if they do care about swearing, just know that that might affect the trust that's going on in that relationship.
0: How can we improve the trust in our organizations, groups, and definitely relationships?
1: Yeah. And this is definitely not easy, but I think what we need to do and what I see most commonly in organizations, the reason why employees feel like trust is so low is that the managers and leaders are more focused on the outcomes than they are trust. So when push comes to shove, they're willing to throw trust under the bus in order to get some sort of outcomes. And really what that means is that people are doing that is they don't feel safe in their current environment. And that be, can because, be because of internal cultural factors. It all, can also be because of external market conditions that are changing and putting pressure on us. But regardless, we need to remember that trust is an economic driver. And if we're throwing that under the bus, we're also throwing money, productivity, and effectiveness under the bus. So I think we need to put trust at a higher level, even more than our outcomes. Because if we could put trust at our, at a high level, the outcomes will take care of themselves.
0: And any closing comments for your peers?
1: No, I, I, I not necessarily. But again, I think trust is something that we commonly overlook in terms of its value. And because of that, we, we become willing to not value it as much as we should. And that really should be a primary focus for leaders, managers, teachers, whoever it might be.
0: Excellent. Thank you for sharing your perspective, experience, and advice. To our listeners, check back for future topics and spread the word to your colleagues about our podcast series. Why? Because learning changes
1: everything.